Welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast, starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Let me tell you something, Matt. Mm. <laughs> this time of year, it drains my wallet and it makes me fat. Oh, well, you're not going to like this news then. What's that? You got news for me? I do. Now, I can't vouch for this 100%, but somebody sent me some pretty compelling evidence about a new promotion coming from Burger King. Oh my God, I'm nervous already. Halloween Whoppers. Are you serious? Dead serious. And how the hell are they going to pull this off? Well, you know, in Japan, they've had these promotions where they had these black bund burgers with black I've seen cheese. That. Yeah, I've seen that. So apparently we're going to get a Halloween Whopper with black buns and a special wrapper. So there's a black bun and there's meat. And what else? Regular Whopper stuff. From what I know, it has black buns and probably a special wrapper. And they're also supposed to be doing these like special Halloween paper crowns. Oh, that's awesome. You know how they give away the king's crown and all that? Right. So, yeah, you know, you and I were talking about how this Halloween season was all about volume, but it was lacking that one mega thing to really give it its identity. This has got to be it, right? This is going to be it. Like 2013 at Fruit Brute, 2014 had the Ghostbusters Donuts, and this year it's going to be a Halloween Whopper. But this isn't 100%, though. This is a rumor? Here's what it is. It's either happening or somebody pulled a really good trick on me because I was sent screenshots that look way too official for it not to be real. Well, this is great news, and I'm very excited because the Burger King himself is scary as hell. Yep. So, you know, this, this is a match made in heaven. I agree. I don't think I've ever actually eaten a Whopper before. It's, really? Yeah. I, I've never been a fan of, like, the big saucy sandwiches from these places. They creep me out. But I guess that works for Halloween. You're not a Big Mac person. No, anything that has like a, a sort of nondescript sauce that looks like a bodily fluid, it just doesn't work for me. But I'm going to make an exception this year because black bread is just fucking awesome. Oh, I can't wait for this. I actually am a Whopper fan and I will have at least four Whoppers this right. season. <laughs> so you were saying that the Halloween season makes you fat. It's about to make you a whole lot fatter. Oh. <laughs> and here's news. A book of Halloween gift certificates at Burger King. 20 certificates in all. Each one good for regular size french fries. The book is just $1 at any participating Burger King. So what are we doing today on the Purple Stuff podcast? Well, we have a bunch of questions that listeners and fans and friends have sent in so we could answer them and discuss them for this show. So it's like a Q&A session. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people sent in questions. Yeah, there was an abundance of them. Of course, we can't get to every question because there were so many, and we appreciate everyone sending them in, so thank you. So you want me to start? Yeah. Okay. So our first question comes from our friend Summer Jam. He wants to know what horror movie should be made into a series, and how would it differ from the movie? Now, when he said series, I assume made into a TV series. I did as well. Okay. So my answer for this, and this is a great question, by the way, because a lot of the TV spinoffs you see are kind of boring, you know? This one, it's likely going to go into production after I tell you it. 
Mm-hmm. So the Wishmaster series needs to be made into a TV show. Oh boy, you can make the Wishmaster into like the new Crypt Keeper. Like he could be the guy in the wraparound story of each show. And of course, each show would have like some sort of moral type story like Tales from the Crypt. But he's going to be the guy judging everyone and giving them the kibosh when necessary. And at the end, you know, he'll have some snarky line. He could become this icon. And, you know, you're right because um, he sort of looks like the Crypt Keeper on steroids already. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that happening. Someone's got to have the old suits laying around. Yeah, I wish for a Wishmaster TV series. Oh, man. You just couldn't wait to get that one in there. (laughs) That was off the cuff. I didn't even have that prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one as well. Okay. Mine would be The Omen. Ooh, The Omen. Now, let me set it up for you. The new Satan or whatever would still be a little boy, as is common in those movies. But in this TV series, it would be like a bunch of Satanists trying to protect him from who are supposed to be the group of heroes, but they really aren't because they're trying to kill this as-of-yet-innocent little boy. So it'd be like Shades of Grey. Mm. And I'm seeing it like, you know, they're carting this Satan boy around from city to city, and the so-called heroes are chasing them. It would have, like, the vibe of True Detective meets X-Files. Meets Legend of Billie Jean. Right, meets Legend of Billie Jean, exactly. (laughs) Fair is fair. (laughs) That's a good idea. I could see it. I do like mine better, though. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. <laughs> I was really proud of my answer until you started busting out Wishmaster. It was really well fleshed out. I could definitely see that on, like, CBS for one season. It would be a one-season show, for sure. I right. Mean, in part because that's what the story calls for, and also because nobody would watch it. <laughs> the Omen. Rated R. You have been warned. This next question comes from Terry, and the question is, what long dormant horror series should get a new sequel? Mm. Okay, my pick would be Hellraiser. Now, I know there are rumors about them doing a new sequel or reboot or whatever. I don't follow horror news that closely. Let's just assume that they're not. I'm going to say that they should. Because I feel like that's the one big horror franchise that you could do a reboot or a sequel and really pull it off well. The trick is that you just got to keep it dirty. Like the first movie and the second movie, what made them work is that they were semi-mainstream movies that were so unafraid to be gory and disgusting. Like you can't do this as a PG-13 thing. You've really got to go heavy. And as much as I love Doug Bradley and, and in his roles as Pinhead... I don't feel that you even need Pinhead to pull off Hellraiser. Would it go straight to DVD? I feel like it would be better on screen. Like, I understand there would be a hesitance to put a really hard R movie on the big screen, but I think that's the only way to make it really work. It's almost like that's the gimmick, because nowadays it's rare to get... It's rare to get even R-rated horror movies in theaters. How about you? What do you have? I'm going to go with Blair Witch. Oh, God, you and the fucking Blair Witch sequels. God, give it the fuck up already. It was born to be a single standalone goddamn movie. How do we not have Blair Witch 3? Well, I think Blair Witch 2 answered that question. No, Blair Witch 2 just begged for another follow-up, you know, to build on the mythology. No, I'm kidding. I mean, and as we've we've talked about before... (laughs) 
Uh, I've been hard on Blair Witch 2, but you're right. It does have some merit. Once you strip away the expectations from the first one, it, it does have something. So I will let you continue. What would you do in a third Blair Witch movie? I would bring it back to basics and, you know, have the same premise where uh, you have a bunch of kids who start researching because they have always heard that it was a fake story and it was like a con, right? But they come to find out that it wasn't and they find out that it's actually real because somebody gets killed and they have like video footage or something like that. Not that it's a found footage film because I don't want it to be in that same vein, uh, but it might mix elements of a found footage film. I just think it could be the potential is is there and it's been so long since people have seen that. And I know you saw Blair Witch when it came out. I did. I saw it opening night and scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm, me too. And I'll agree with you on one point. I don't know necessarily that I believe that the there's a creative reason to do a Blair Witch 3, but I think there's a financial reason for sure because no matter how good or bad that movie was, it would do business. Right. Gangbusters. So, yeah, it would do gangbusters. It certainly uh, beat my Hellraiser concept. Oh, yeah. So you're you're two for two, and I'm O for O. <laughs> the Blair Witch Project, now on pay-per-view. Lights on, lights off. You decide how to watch it. Okay, our next question is from Steve R. Puffinstuff, an old friend of mine. What do we consider the lamest Halloween candy to give out on Halloween? I'm sure to make at least a thousand enemies on my answer. Any hard candy, anything that sticks in my teeth, anything gummy, Anything that's not Reese's, anything that's not Snickers, uh, anything that's not whatchamacallit. So that doesn't leave much. Wow, you're very specific. I like Smarties, though. That's about it. Well, Smarties are terrible. They'd be like my number two worst. But number one, I thought we'd agree on this, were Mary Janes. Yeah, Mary Janes are terrible. Just the absolute worst candy. Rah. Like, you would actually get mad at the people for giving it to you. Like, yeah. you kind of look at them like... Was this ever popular in your day? Like, I understand that you're older than me, but were these really the things kids ate back then? They used to say, oh, yeah, they, we used to eat these when I was a kid. What, when candy first came out originally? Yeah, was it like the first candy? Is this like, <laughs> you know, the first radio show wasn't so good, the first TV show wasn't so good, and I guess the first candy wasn't so good either. Although I will say that one thing that I didn't even want to open when I was a kid was Goldenberg's Peanut Chews, and I eat them now, and I'm like, holy crap, what was I missing? God, that sounds like a parody. It's like an SNL skit. Here, kids, have your, your what what did you call it? Gold, <laughs> golden golden, golden schnoodle? <laughs> yeah, no, Goldenberg's. Yeah, Goldenberg's. Goldenberg's, Goldenberg's, Goldenberg's peanut, peanut Shoes. 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 Peanut Shoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, these don't look quite as bad as, like, Mary Jane's, but... Well, don't you remember getting these in your sack, and, and you're like, what the hell are these? And you wouldn't even eat them? But, I mean, they updated the packaging. Yeah, so. the new packaging makes them look a little more hip, but I see the vintage packaging on Google as well, and back then it kind of looked like medicine. Yeah, they're real it's good, like, though. Like, like, take take this to boost your, your iron deficiency. <laughs> it does look like something an old uh, a pharmacy would give you. Right. Any other candy that you weren't into? Uh, well, if I can cheat a little bit, I'll say that anyone who gave me a penny was also on the shit list. Oh, yeah. We've it's talked like, about the yeah, pennies. Yeah. Pennies and, and sometimes even nickels. Actually, my next door neighbor used to give us these nickels that were wrapped in scotch tape for some reason. <laughs> like he would individually wrap the nickels in scotch tape. So not only would you get this crappy nickel that you didn't want, but if you actually did have some use for the nickel, you'd have to spend a half hour getting the goddamn scotch tape off. 
You see, some people think it's fun to play tricks with your treats. Watch out for candy wrappers that have been torn or punctured. That might be a sign of tampering. So the next question comes from Sammy Hain. Mm, we love Sammy Hain. Great guy. Yeah. And his question is, if we could spend Halloween in any one Halloween cartoon, special, or movie, which one would it be? I didn't have any one good answer for this. So for me, I think I just put myself in the universe of like an old Roseanne or Growing Pains Halloween episode from the 80s. Because I think those old Halloween sitcom episodes, they presented sort of the idealized version of our Halloween past. Like right. When we think about our old Halloween seasons, we kind of remember it the way it never was. But when I look at like these old Roseanne episodes, I'm like, oh, that's what I think my old Halloweens were like, even though they were nothing like them. Everyone in town was dressing up. Everyone had a party to go to. Everyone's house was decorated from the, the top floor to the bottom floor, head to toe with webs and shit. <laughs> I know and what like, you mean. You know, yeah. in, in real life, it's like I went to CVS two days before Halloween, got a plastic Jason mask, and that was it. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. It, it does remind you of how it was. The only thing is that like I would be working on my Halloween costume the same way I do now, like a month ahead of time, you know, right. that was, that'd be the only difference for me. But I know what you mean. Like even it seemed like the neighbors, it seemed like the whole town was out trick or treating, you know, I want to live in a world where Halloween is what television taught me, not what it really was. That was very eloquent. I think that is going to be our mission statement for this entire Halloween season. Cool. How about you? <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, something that, most people probably wouldn't think of immediately, but the 1986 MTV Elvira Halloween special. That would be the one that I would want to be in. Oh, boy. What happens in the special? Well, you know, there's like sketches and she introduces videos and there's performances and things like that. And you could watch the entire thing on YouTube. But what is it that makes you want to live in there? Is it just that you love Elvira and want to be near her or? Yeah, I want to be on her. Yeah, that's what I figured was yeah. going on. So I mean, it has nothing to do with like, you know, thematic settings or like scenery, just you being near Elvira. Yeah, in her in her vicinity. Right. I couldn't think of anything else because I don't want to not be here right now cuz this is the best place for Halloween. The purple what, stuff. What sitting, sitting in a hot room with the air conditioner <laughs> off? Yes. Fumbling our way through on a Skype conversation. <laughs> Nothing screams Halloween like 95-degree weather sitting in my pajamas <laughs> trying to make sense of a conversation with you. <laughs> oh, believe me, I know how difficult it is sometimes. <laughs> uh. For those of you who don't know me, I'm usually hosting some stupid horror movie, but my friends here at MTV asked me to schlep on in here tonight on account of it's like Halloween. Well, no, as a matter of fact, it isn't like Halloween. It is Halloween. <laughs> From our buddy, Fake Eyes. Fake Eyes. Yeah, I like Fake Eyes. He wants to know what the best action figure line with a creepy theme was. You're not going to like my answer because the popular answers are not what I chose. So I go with the action figure line from Scooby-Doo. Now, the reason why I go with it is because they did all the characters, all the villains that you would see in the show when you were a kid. Now, say you were a Scooby-Doo fan when that show started. In the, I guess, early uh, late 60s, early 70s, whenever it was. 
these are characters made into figures that never had figures, like ever. It's like a dream come true for Scooby-Doo fans, right? And a lot of these characters are scary as hell. I don't know why you thought I wouldn't like this answer. I think it's great. Oh, okay, cool. Not only did they do a large-scale figure of each, but they also have mini versions. They got amazing detail, crazy colors, and awesome playsets. And some of the figures actually glow in the dark. And so, you know, the villains you would see like in the beginning of the show where, you know, there's the one guy who was at, uh, he was like the carnival ghost and then the a guy who's made out of electricity and he's all orange. You know, they have every character you could think of. So I'll tell you, I have no interest in the Scooby-Doo main cast, but the the monsters, I would be all over those. I'm going to have to take a look at this line. Oh, yeah. And they got the Tiki monster and they got the guy underwater. Oh, it's fantastic. Cool. So my answer, I don't know if I'd call this the best one ever, but I'm not going to miss an opportunity to champion it. It would be Tonka's Supernaturals. Mm. These were, I think, made in 1986. If you haven't seen them, have you seen them? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I used to see them in the toy store when I was a kid, and I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. Right. They were like a little taller than He-Man figures, but more slender. And the gimmick was that their faces and chests popped off to reveal these holograms right where you'd see like a ghost and then you turn it and it turn into like a warrior or something like that mm -hmm. but these holograms were so high tech especially by 1986 standards it wasn't like you know those prismatic stickers that you'd get out of a vending machine these were like dead on straight up holograms the kind of things that people were buying from picture shops for 50 dollars. when you had one of these figures you felt like you owned like this expensive bauble I never got into them, but I do see the appeal. Well, there were no female figures. <laughs> Supernaturals. Lionheart, Skull, and Ghostling sold separately. New from Tonka. Okay, Matt, this one comes from Canada Cat. And Canada Cat... <laughs> Canada Cat with a K. How would you two reboot or restart the stalled Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw franchises. Canada Cat sneaking in with four questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about Halloween or Texas Chainsaw because we'll just be here forever. I'll just stick with the two I know most. Okay. With Friday the 13th, I think the way to go is Lo-Fi. That series is just made for a direct-to-VOD installment. Keep it simple, keep it atmospheric, and don't try to explain or redefine Jason Voorhees. I don't think most fans really care or want that. They just want more of what we already have gotten. So just do straight-up horror movies with Jason already there, already the killer. I don't need to know his origin. I don't need a new wrinkle. Just have him there killing new groups of teenagers, and I'll be happy. And I think a lot of other people will, too. 100% agree. What about Nightmare on Elm Street? Frankly, I have my doubts that it can be done. I think when you remove Robert England and the practical effects, there isn't that much left. If I had to remake it, I think I'd go more down the line of like a Halloween 3, where I'd keep the name but use it more just for promotional purposes. The only thing I would keep is just the theme of having people dying in their dreams. I don't necessarily know that I would continue down the Freddy Krueger path, because as iconic and as important as he is, I think the concept is strong enough and trying to redo Freddy is too risky, I think you could do Nightmare on Elm Street without him and probably make a better movie than trying to work it in with a new Freddy at this point in the game. I'm picking up what you're laying down. You're picking up what I'm laying down? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that many people are going to agree with me, to be honest. 
They're going to well, think it's like sacrilegious to do a Nightmare on Elm Street movie without Freddy. I'm just saying, I think it could work. And I'm thinking back to the previous reboot. I'm like, eh, what was everyone's problem with it? Freddy. And for my taste, it's best to go back to the basics. Like you said, with, you know, I'll, I'll run through real quick. Friday the 13th, I completely agree. You don't need to change that. You could really just pick up after like part six or part seven and just continue having him, you know, murder kids in the woods. Like you said, you don't need to change anything. You don't need to go into backstory. We've seen Jason drown a hundred thousand times. We know the whole story. So exactly. I mean, the beauty, the beauty of that series originally was that they did these films even after they got popular on a pretty severe budget. They did them very fast and they did them without a lot of thought. And in a case like that, where the concept is so goddamn simple, don't mess with it. Just do that again and again and again and again until people just stop buying it altogether. I think what they need to do is with Friday the 13th, they need to make it scary again. And I think you you had that element in the first couple, but it kind of loses it over the sequels. It becomes more of like the way Nightmare on Elm Street became more uh, comedic. Right. I think what they need to do is instill that fear in you and put you in the camper's point of view. You remember, if you're going to be in the woods camping and it's late at night, it opens itself up to being really petrifying. It does. Nightmare on Elm Street, I agree, where you don't necessarily need to have Freddy. I think if people go back to what Wes Craven originally designed for that movie, he just wanted the boogeyman. And he wanted uh, to cast that guy, David Warner. And I think you could cast, it doesn't matter who you cast. David Warner, didn't he play the uh, scientists in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? He did, he did. Oh, man, what could have been... Yeah, I think it would have been awesome. And I just agree about that remake that they did because, I mean, Jack Earl Haley, was it was not good. But if they made him into a different character altogether, it could probably could have worked. Then people wouldn't have hated it as much. So I agree with you uh, in that respect. But I He's think a, he was a great actor, a very capable actor, obviously. But there's just no way. Yeah, like you, it, it, there's no way. England was the character. Right. They're going to have to do one more with Robert England to get that bad taste out of people's mouths. Yeah. I mean, I I said the same, but people are saying he's a little old now for it. It could st- He's still alive, though. That's, still, that's, that's what I'm saying. He's still, <laughs> he's still here. Yeah. I don't care what he could do. Real quick, I'll throw in my Texas Chainsaw. And, uh, you know, that if anyone has seen Texas Chainsaw 3D, I thought that was phenomenal. I know you enjoyed it. Loved it. They went about it in such a great way, and they were able to tie in previous aspects of the films, and it felt like just a fun throwback horror film. It didn't get too deep into details. It was just a good time. Exactly. I mean, it had that reboot sensibility, but they didn't get so marred down in their origin telling that they lost sight of what the movie was supposed to be, and it was really just a simple, gory horror movie, and that's what people enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And with Halloween, I think Halloween, you're going to have a a much tougher time doing it. And I think that's why it keeps getting pushed back. Uh, You have to kind of erase some of the sequels in that series. You have to pick up from after the original Halloween. I think that's what they're doing, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'm not really sure of the details. I just keep hearing some of the rumors were that they were going to be in the Rob Zombie timeline and they were just going to kind of forget what happened in some of the, in those movies and just go with that same type of vibe 
that Rob Zombie created, but then other people were saying they're going to reboot it completely. Then there was other rumors they were going to do a 3D IMAX movie of it, but who knows what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I just feel like you need to just pick up after the original Halloween and then just forget everything that happened afterwards. Because as much as I like Halloween 2, uh, I just felt like making Lori his sister is not the way to go. Mm, wow. That's going to be a controversial statement. I like to create controversy. Yeah. I don't know if I could agree with that. I mean, I do agree with some of your points, but man, taking Jamie Lee Curtis out of the bloodline. Oh, the, the thing is you have to make him the shape. You have to make him this, you know, a uh, nondescript crazy murderer. And you don't know who, why he's killing. You don't know who he is. You'll never know who he is. You don't need to know his backstory. He's just a guy that you see peering at you from another house in the street, across from the bushes over by those, the clothing line. And he's just very creepy. And that's all you need to know. Right. I mean, I agree with you in that point, because I think at this point, everyone knows who he is. So there's no point in us in telling us just have him do what we want him to do. I don't think there's a problem so much with rebooting a franchise. I think there's a problem with telling a story that we already know just to see how they would change it. You're rarely going to say, oh, I like what the, I like this version better. I like this origin better than the previous one. No more origin stories because these characters are so well known. It's like when they, they redo a Frankenstein movie. It's like everyone in the world, you can ask a two-year-old who's never seen Frankenstein. He knows how Frankenstein became Frankenstein. Right. Not to a two-year-old. Me, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> whenever they get into the origin, I think they run the risk of being indulgent. And when I say that, I mean indulgent on from the writers or from the directors or from the producers. I'm not saying it can't be done or that they're being intentionally indulgent. But any fan of any major horror franchise could sit there and develop their own idealized origin story. That's the problem, though, because everyone has their own ideas of what they should be, and it's going to be really hard to get everyone on the same page. So I say you skip all that, and you just dive into the killing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. Now playing at a theater near you. Our next question is another one from Summer Jam. He wants to know when we first realized that we loved Halloween and or horror. Let me just take a moment to mention that Summer Jam did a cameo in my Halloween special last year, and he was awesome. He was awesome. He was yeah. he was like the breakout star. Yeah, he did a great job. But uh, to answer that, aside from my early memories of the Haunted Mansion in uh, Disneyland, I mean, that's some of my earliest memories of how I have come to love like scary things and horror and stuff like that but specifically halloween one of my earliest memories is in music class so we had a music teacher her name was miss hayes and she would come into the classroom with her big giant casio keyboard and set her stuff up and two of the songs that she sang will stick out in my head forever as soon as we were like mid-september like end of september we'd start with these songs and she would go with i've been working on my costume which was basically a parody of I've been working on the railroad. So I've been working on my costume. costume blah, blah, blah. I've never, is this a real song? Or did she make it up on the fly? I honestly think she just made a parody on her own because I can't find any uh, publishing rights or anything like that. So she would sing this song and would kind of talk to all the, oh, are we thinking about 
what we're going to be for Halloween, you know, and putting that seed in our heads. So you knew she was a real fan as well of the whole season. So all of us would all start to think and she would go around the room when she was singing the song and she would say like, you know, uh, Stephanie wants to be a strawberry shortcake. And she would add that into the song. And then she was like, Jay wants to be Dracula. So it was so much fun when you're that young to sing the song along with her. But then toward the end of her time teaching that period of time in the class, she would go into a song called Skin and Bones. And this is like an old, like folksy Halloween song. And basically it was about, there was an old lady of skin and bones, you know, made of skin and bones. So we, what she would do is she'd turn the lights off. All the kids would go and close all the shades to the windows. It was pitch dark in the classroom. And she would start this. There was an old lady of skin and bones. So it was real scary, right? You can get into it. And then every time, like at the end, there's this scene, you know, the last lyric of the song is boo and everybody gets scared you know so we would everybody would yell boo real loud and this it was so much fun when i was a kid to sing these songs so i would say that might be one of my earliest origin memories of halloween and horror i gotta tell you i've been drinking coffee throughout this uh podcast record and i think after that answer i'm gonna switch to vodka (laughs) as far as horror goes i think i would say when child's play 2 hit video cassette I think it was like 1990, 1991. Mm-hmm. I liked horror movies before then, but for some reason, I fell in love with that video and rented it constantly. Like, yeah. I watched that movie twice a day for months, and it just served as sort of my gateway drug because seeing this movie that's gory and horror and scary and has a monster and yada, 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 I'm like, oh, maybe there's some other movies I'd like like this. And of course there were. And the rest is history. Because before then, I think I was more of a sci-fi guy. Grew mm-hmm. up on Star Wars. So I was always gravitating more towards space and spaceships and aliens and, and, and robots and things like that. Mm-hmm. Movies like Child's Play 2. And, of course, since I was getting a little bit older by the 90s, that was even more fun. Yeah. Child's Play is a great series. And seeing those in the video store was awesome. My local video store, the one that we had in the neighborhood growing up. They closed around 1991, and like two weeks before they did, I bought their giant Child's Play 2 cardboard standee for $10 oh, oh. and got my friend to help me carry it back home. That's awesome. Remember that shot of Chucky with the hedge clippers on the jack-in-the-box? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was like a three-dimensional standee, so the jack-in-the-box had a real spring head. So oh. like when you sort of like hit into the standee, his head would bounce around a little bit. You still have it? No. For years, it stayed in our shed because there was no room to put it in my bedroom, and it wasn't like my family was going to let me leave it in the living room. (laughs) But, oh, I miss it. It's probably like $5,000 now. I wouldn't doubt it. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. Child's Play 2, rated R. Starts Friday, November 9th at theaters everywhere. Okay, Matt, here's another one that comes from our friend Fake Eyes, and this is a raging debate. Who is the greatest universal monster or horror icon, and which one serves as the best representative for the season? Oh, man. Oh, God. There's, like, no right answer and no wrong answer. I don't know what to say here. I guess my personal favorite is Gilman. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's also sort of like the Boba Fett of the Universal Monsters universe, where he isn't the most important character, but he's the one that everyone secretly likes the most. Mm. 
But if I'm being objective, I'm going to say Dracula. Right. And I'm with you on that. My personal would be Frankenstein, but Dracula is the he is the icon because you see him in commercials and ads. I mean, he's the godfather of all this. Right. I'm sure some people would actually say that Frankenstein's more important, but I don't know. Dracula's just so much fun to say. Dracula. 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 Yeah. Dracula. And his name is Vlad. Vlad. Dracula. <laughs> The next question comes from Alex Berry. He wants to know if we have any off-the-beaten-path Halloween traditions that we'd recommend. I mean, I have a few. I wouldn't necessarily know if they're considered off-the-beaten-path or not, but my first one would be amusement parks. And a lot of people might not think of amusement parks uh, depending on you know where they are in the country. I know for me, going to an amusement park you know, at night during the Halloween season, if, if they have like a thing called Fright Fest, like Six Flags has it, or if there's some sort of Halloween celebration, there's nothing better than that in going on roller coasters and thinking, well, when you get off, there might be some zombie that comes out and tries to scare you. I just love the vibe and the atmosphere of being at like an amusement park or like carnival type atmosphere during that time of the year. I tried to go to one with you around Halloween. The lines were too long. I had a miserable night. Yeah, and you don't go on the rides. So And I don't go on the rides. <laughs> and I didn't win anything from the crane games. <laughs> and I will say that the other thing would be going on a dark ride on like some boardwalk or something like that. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I think mine would be just to get in your car and go explore a completely different town or city. I know that doesn't sound like a Halloween thing to do. But I've done it a bunch of times, and it really is, because you'll find new Halloween stores and these weird pumpkin patches, just all kinds of shit. Plus, like, if you want to make a night out of it, you could stay at, like, a two-star, really creepy hotel. It's like living in a horror movie. You know, just go, just go find some desolate town and see what it has to offer. Because even if it has nothing to offer, you'll still feel like Halloween. Absolutely. That is a good one. I'll tell you, we went to... I know it's this is like near Six Flags, but that's not why we went there. We stayed in Freehold a few years ago, which you wouldn't expect to find that much in Freehold. But we stayed in a shitty hotel, which you know very well. Mm-hmm. And we just went to all the little Halloween stores and all the little farmer's markets. And got to tell you, I had a fucking blast. And yeah. there are 10 trillion Freeholds all across the country. Every town has a Freehold. <laughs> every, every town has a Freehold. <laughs> Okay, our last question comes from Steve Kennedy. What's your favorite scary video game? What's your favorite scary video game? I am not much of a gamer personally, so I'm going to skip over anything even resembling a modern classic. Like, there will be no Resident Evil or Silent Hills on my list. I'm going to go way, 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 way back. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably going to say Ghosts and Goblins. Ooh, that was a Nintendo game. It was also on other systems and, and other things, but I'm talking about the Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. I know Castlevania is way more popular and historic and all that, but you remember when you used to have like a uncle or something come into town around your birthday, and he's like, let's go to the store. I'm going to get you a gift right now. And it was your one shot to get the birthday present. Yeah, Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. Yeah. So 
my Uncle Owen took me to the local comic book shop, which happened to sell video games, but because it was just a local comic book shop, it only had, like, three games. Mm. It was, like, uh, 1942 and Super Mario Brothers, and I already had both of them. So I went home with Ghosts and Goblins. Mm. That's a good choice. Yeah, really, really hard game, but very, very creepy. It had great music. It had, like, just an endless volley of monsters. And it had the best opening sequence in history where you're having a naked picnic with your girlfriend. <laughs> and Satan comes and steals her and flies away. And you get up in your little red underwear and you put on a knight's outfit and go fight monsters. It's like, how could you not get behind this? They, why don't they have a movie of this? Exactly. <laughs> I actually have two, if I can. The first one will be, since I was a Sega kid, and I'm not, I'm not a gamer either. I am probably further from a gamer than you. Mm. But I'm going to go with, uh, since I was a Sega kid, I'm going to go with Ghost House. Sega Master System, 1986. The thing about this game was that it came on a card. It looked like a credit card, and you stuck mm. it in your gaming system, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so that was like the whole gimmick of why you would want it, to see how that, would it play the same way, you know? And it did. It was the same thing as playing a regular game, obviously. But when you're a kid, you don't know that. So this was uh, loosely based off a, an arcade game called Monster Bash. You had to destroy, like, vampires and things. It was so much fun. What's the second one? The second one is called Clock Tower. I had Clock Tower when I was into the first PlayStation uh, console. And this little kid with uh, giant scissors, he was called Scissor Man. And he's got, like, this crazy, I don't know if it was a mask or if he was deformed. But he's chasing you around this mansion. And I would play this game like late at night, nobody home. And I was already in my teens at that point. But when this guy came on screen, you had to tap the shit out of the buttons to try to get to try to save your own life. And it was like pulse pounding music. And this guy's coming towards you with his crazy face and the scissors. It was so scary, right? I, like my heart is pounding just thinking about it. God, it sounded like you were doing a commercial for the game. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of it again? Clock Tower. Clock Tower. Let me yeah. look that up. I know I've heard of it, but let me just uh, give me a second here. Okay, yeah, you type that into the old computer. Clock Tower PS1. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, it does look pretty creepy. Hello, police department. There's been a murder. Come quickly, please. Please relax, ma'am. Did you see the murderer? He's the one with the giant scissors. Scissor Man, you've heard of him, haven't you? So I think that's uh, enough questions for one podcast. I want to thank everybody for sending us so many questions and so many really good questions. So many good questions. We have so many good ones to go with on the next one. We'll have to revisit this sometime, Matt. Yeah. Sometime down the line, we'll probably need another Q&A. Absolutely. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. Oh, I'm I'm Matt from DinosaurDracula.com. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh I was reading something. Reading about uh, black bun whoppers. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Mm. No, I was actually reading about your uh, PS1 game. Oh, okay. Yeah, Clock Tower. And I am Matt from DinosaurDracula.com. Say it, <laughs> say it. Tell tell them. We'll see them next time. <laughs> we'll see you. Next <laughs> <laughs> you didn't spend the week coming up with any new <laughs> tags. <laughs> We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast.